Hello, everyone. Welcome to another story about the Peters children. This week's story, Penelope Has a Case of the Moabite Mites, is about how Penelope's summer ends. And I'm sure most of you can relate to that. I don't know anyone who wants the summer to end, and especially in 2020, because this year has been so different. And though school has probably started for most of you, you're likely in front of a computer screen rather than in a physical classroom. Although, if you homeschool, you're used to being at home studying and doing your work there, and you're probably not in front of a computer screen most of the day. As usual, we've included a hymn title or a line from a hymn within the story. If you recognize it, send your answers to whimsywins at gmail.com. If yours is the first correct answer we receive, we will send you a prize. Last week's winners were three sisters, Isla, Cozy, Nolia, and I hope one of those two pronunciations is the correct one, from Beale Air Force Base were our winners with their answer of, take my life and let it be, from the story, Pearson's Paint Problem. Nice work, girls. Oh, and by the way, if you're the winner this week, we will announce your name in two weeks. Next weekend is Labor Day, and our family intends to take a break from their labors. Several in our family will be camping, and others will just be taking a load off. All right, let's get going on this week's story. Penelope has a case of the Moabite mites. It was Sunday, the last day of the last weekend before school was starting for the fall. The Peters family was at church, sitting about halfway toward the front with a somewhat obstructed view of the pulpit from where Penelope sat, because Mrs. Burns was wearing a rather prominent black hat with a wide white ribbon encircling the brim. Mrs. Burns had accessorized the hat with some daisy stems underneath the ribbon, which were now slightly wilted from having been uprooted at least several hours before. As the congregation sang, Rejoice the Lord is King, Penelope became distracted by the daisies on Mrs. Burns's hat. They would shake just a little bit while Mrs. Burns was singing. Penelope would have probably been more distracted by it, except that her mind was already about as full as it could get, thinking way too much about the very last day she had between church and the start of school. She was so lost in thought that when the kids were dismissed to head off to Sunday school, she didn't even stand up until she was nudged by Mama Peters, who was looking at her quizzically. Sweetie, where's your head today? It's time to go to class. Oh, 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 yeah, sure. Bye, Mama Peters, Penelope said absentmindedly. Mrs. Harwood welcomed the children to Sunday school, and after everyone had quieted down, she talked about the memory verse for the week. Okay, class, the verse for this week is one of my very favorites. First Samuel twelve twenty four. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully, for consider what great things he has done for you. Now, can anyone tell me why we should fear the Lord and what that means? Several hands shot up, but Mrs. Harwood pointed to Mary Love Patterson, who was waving her hand rather dramatically. We're not supposed to be afraid of God, I don't think, but I think we're supposed to respect God. At least that's what Daddy says. Mrs. Harwood nodded. Yes, Mary Love, that's about right, except that being afraid of God is part and parcel of fearing the Lord. It doesn't mean that you need to cower in the corner and be a scaredy cat of God. But it does mean that we need to have a holy fear of him. We who know the Lord don't have to be afraid of him if we are walking with him and being obedient. God wants us to have a reverent fear of him. For example, you love and respect your parents and you want to please them. You might fear displeasing them or making them unhappy by your behavior. 
but you don't fear them because you're afraid they'll hurt you. But you love them, and you don't want to disappoint or displease them. And your fear is that you might displease them or make them unhappy if you're disobedient. You also have a respect for them, but there's also a fear of the consequences if you disobey them. It's different for those who don't know the Lord. Our God is omnipotent, which means He has all power. He holds the sun, the stars, the moon, and the earth in place. He holds back the ocean, and He can literally shake the earth. I'm sure you've all felt an earthquake before. He holds life and death in His hands. So those who do not know the Lord should be scared because God is scary and his power is awesome. Does that make sense? Now the verse also says that we need to serve him faithfully. This can be done by doing anything as long as you work for it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, which we are called to do in Colossians. And then we come to the last part of the verse. Consider all that the Lord has done for us. Can you guys name some things that the Lord has done for you? Instantly, there was a show of hands. He healed me of my cold. He let me get a new puppy. He helped my parents get some more money so that I could go to camp. He gave me a new sister. He gave us twin sisters! Pearson yelled from the back of the class after his memory was jogged. He got us a new house that's bigger than our old one. The answers kept coming until Mrs. Harwood had to cut them off. Exactly, she said. There is no limit of the great things that God has done. And her story is kind of about that. It comes from Numbers 22. And the account is about a guy named Balak, who was the king of Moab. Mrs. Harwood paused to turn on the projector and place a transparency of the map of Israel onto it. It lit up the wall behind her. And thanks to her handy glasses, Penelope could see the rocky terrain as represented by the squiggly lines on the map. That is Moab. Mrs. Harwood pointed to a place on the map. The Israelites were on their way from Egypt to Israel, and they had to pass through Moab's territory. Balak was aware that they were coming, and he had heard about all that Israel had done to the Amorites. He heard that they had destroyed the Amorites, they had beaten them in all the battles, and they had taken all of the belongings of the Amorites. And Balak was scared silly, because he was afraid of what Israel might do. Notice I said the word might. Balak was fearful of the unknown. He had no idea if the Israelites would do anything to Moab. Now, sometimes we fear what we know. For instance, you've learned that if you touch a hot stove, you'll burn yourself. So wisdom tells you to avoid touching a hot oven. That is a right and proper response. But what most of us have is the fear of the unknown, which is altogether different. For example, you might fear giving a speech, but not because you don't know how to talk, but you fear giving the speech because you might mess it up, or you might sound funny, or mispronounce your words, or you might sneeze all over the audience, or you might trip on the way to the podium, or on the way back to your seat. You might have a big dollop of ketchup on your cheek, or a large yucky thing hanging from your nose. You might accidentally burp, or you might knock over the microphone. By now, the entire class was laughing as Mrs. Harwood kept describing all of the possibilities. <laughs> That's what I call having a bad case of the mites. The truth is, none of us know what might happen. And so often, we're afraid of what might happen. That kind of fear is called dread. And that was the kind of fear that King Balak had. He and all of the Moabite people thought about what Israel might do, 
and they were terrified. The Bible says that they were overcome with fear, which means they were actually sick with dread. They thought about what Israel might do to them, and they began to throw up. Have any of you been so nervous that you've thrown up before? A few kids raised their hands, but Mrs. Harwood quickly told the children to save their throw-up stories for after class. Anyway, Mrs. Harwood continued, the irony of Balak's fear was that the Israelites had no intention of attacking Moab. We know that because in Deuteronomy 2.9, God tells Israel through Moses that they're to leave Moab alone because he was giving them different land. But the dread of Israel had fallen so much on Balak that it caused him to throw up and he became angry and then he made a terrible decision. He decided to become friends with Israelites' enemy, the Philistines, so that now he too was an enemy of Israel. And that's what dread or fear of the unknown can cause us to try to control the situation that God has well in hand. Class, remember, when you have a hard task in front of you, don't dread, but trust the Lord. Mrs. Harwood closed in prayer and then gave instructions to the class about how to make their craft. The craft involved a number of circles, which had verses about not fearing printed on them. Everyone was to color and fold the circles at three parts to make kind of a triangle out of each of them. The triangles were then glued together to form a colorful globe. Penelope had laid aside the distraction of school starting and was immersed in her work. She chose to use pink, purple, blue, and yellow colors, which were her favorites. She was quite pleased how her globe turned out. Pearson had chosen the colors of the rainbow because ever since he had seen his first rainbow, he had been captivated by them. Shortly after everyone completed their craft, church was over and the Peters family was on their way home. After Mama Peters inquired how Sunday school had gone, Pearson and Penelope were quick to fill in Daddy Peters and Mama with the details of the class, right down to what they had had for snack, which had been a yummy sandwich cookie and juice. Daddy Peters laughed. <laughs> well, I, for one, am glad they're feeding you healthy snacks at church. Mama Peters chuckled. <laughs> well, Daddy Peters, it may not be the healthiest of snacks, but it's better than coming home hungry. And I don't know about anyone else, but I'd like a couple of cookies right about now. Do you hear my stomach? It's growling like an underfed lion. Mama Peters, you're not telling us anything we don't already know about you, dear. All of us know about your sweet tooth. Mama Peters gave a fake glare to Daddy Peters. Pearson and Penelope, who were seated in the back, were enjoying the banter between their parents. But Penelope had a nagging thought in the back of her mind. She simply couldn't get rid of it, and she felt some anxiety, but she couldn't remember what it was about. But Mama Peters seemed to know, because she had that remarkable sixth sense that most moms have. Mama Peters called it the mother sense. She turned around in her seat to face Penelope. What's the matter, Pen? I, I, I don't know, Mama Peters. I, I, something was making me nervous. But I, I just can't even, I, I, I can't remember what it was, but I, I'm trying to remember what it was. Oh, Pen, isn't that so funny? You can't remember what it was that was bothering you, and you don't want to worry, but now you're trying to remember what it was that made you worry. The lingering effects of worry, even when you're not actively worrying, usually includes brooding. That just means it's somewhere in your mind. You know you ought not worry anyway, honey. So please, sweetie, please try to put it out of your mind. Because after we eat lunch when we get home, you and Pearson need to make sure you have your backpacks ready for the first day of school tomorrow. Daddy Peters pulled the car to a stop in the driveway, and Penelope and Pearson 
grabbed everyone's Bibles and exited the car. Daddy Peters carried twins Patience and Priscilla, and Mama Peters opened the front door. Their sense of smell was greeted by the wafting aroma of the lasagna that Mama Peters had put in the slow cooker before leaving for church. The family quickly changed their clothes and sat down to lunch. Penelope, though, could hardly eat. She had remembered her worries and was mindlessly picking at the salad on her plate. Penelope, I take it you remembered what's wrong, Daddy Peters observed. Yes, Daddy Peters, it's school. I'm worried. I'm, I'm in second grade. And, and I've read all of the stuff that we have to do. And Daddy Peters, there is so much to do this year. I, I, I'm never going to get, I'm never going to get it all done. And I'm certainly not going to pass second grade. I don't enjoy being in an accelerated program. It's just horrible. And, and I'm not good at, and I'm not that good at math. And we're supposed to do 15 worksheets by the end of this week. Penelope stopped talking because she knew tears would come if she didn't. Her lips and chin were quavering as she tried to swallow the lump in her throat. Hey, Pen, it's not bad. I did second grade last year, and it was a pretty cool year. Okay, Pearson, but you're good at math. Though she didn't mean to, Penelope sounded a bit harsh, and Pearson felt a little stung by her tone. But he kept quiet, because he knew his sister didn't really mean it, and that she was just nervous about school the next day. Nellie, began Daddy Peters, you're not honoring the Lord with your anxiety. Remember the Lord says to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, we are to make our requests known to him. You know that verse in Philippians. Have you made your requests known to him? My requests? The only thing I want is for summer to keep going. That's my request, but I don't think God's going to make that happen. You're right, Nellie. More than likely, God isn't going to make that happen. God doesn't want us to request things that typically upset his created order. He wants us to accept his boundaries and his limitations and to be prayerful about our responses. You should be asking him to help you through this rather than to remove it. I get it, Daddy Peters, but I don't know how I'm ever going to get through it. Penelope put her head in her hands and continued to try to suppress her tears. But try as she might, she couldn't keep the tears from falling hot down on her cheeks. As she continued to lament, her tears began to flow more rapidly and her sobs grew louder. Her words were unreasonable. Daddy Peters, there's no way I can do 15 pages of math by Friday. I can't be expected to do all my grammar lessons because I barely understand what a direct object is. And I saw on the first page of my book, it says to underline the direct objects in every sentence. And, and I miss my art teacher, Mrs. Grable, because she's the only, because she only teaches first grade, kindergarten, first grade, and she doesn't teach second grade. And how am I ever going to memorize the states and capitals and the presidents? It's just too much, Daddy Peters. Pearson, who had been sitting quietly listening, spoke up loudly, directly, and authoritatively. Pen, do you remember just today what Mrs. Harwood was talking about in Sunday school? She talked about how Balak and the Moabites were in such dread of what they thought could happen that it made them sick and it made worse things happen. Balak could have trusted what the Lord spoke through Balaam the prophet, but he didn't. Pen, you're in dread of what could happen. You might fail, and you might have a terrible art teacher. You might have too much math, and you might throw up all over yourself. Remember what Mrs. Harwood called that? She said it was the case of the mites. And remember she said that that kind of fear is sin? Because we act like we can control the situation instead of God. Penelope was completely engrossed in what her brother was gently sharing from his heart, and when he had finished speaking, 
She had stopped crying. I'm, I'm just overwhelmed, she said quietly. Daddy Peters picked up where Pearson had left off. I get it, sweetie. If we get preoccupied with the future, we stop thinking about what we can do right now. And then we become focused on how we can control things. Remember Jesus' words in Matthew 6? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour? Or you can substitute an A in math? Or a good art teacher? Or a full understanding of grammar to his life? Nellie, that's you, sweetie. You're worrying about your future, about the unknown. Don't allow the dread of tomorrow spoil the sweetness of today. Mama Peters had some words of wisdom, too. Pen, it's not a good idea to think of all we have to do. You don't have to complete 15 pages of math today. God helps us meet out our obligations by giving us new energy and new mercies each day. If I knew that I had to make our bed 365 days, times maybe 80 years if I live that long, I might grow overwhelmed. But I only have to make my bed once a day, so that's doable. Daddy Peters, would you ask Penn the question you often ask all of us? I think it's a good time to remember it. Ah, uh, yes, Mama Peters. All right, here's the question, Penn. How do you eat an elephant? Penelope took a deep breath. <sighs> I know, Daddy Peters. One bite at a time. I'll try to remember that. And Pearson, thanks for sharing with me. I can't believe I didn't even think about what Mrs. Hardwood taught us just today. And I'm sorry for snapping at you. Would you please forgive me? Yup, I forgive you, sis. Pearson got up and walked over to where Penelope was sitting and hugged her tightly. And though the next day, being the first day of school, was not overly easy, the Lord brought Penelope through it. He gave her the grace to listen to her teachers and to begin to understand how to do new things. He helped her to see that she could do her work slowly over time, rather than all at once. The same God that had given her the grace to get through the first day would also give her the grace to complete her chores for each day and for the rest of her life. This is Grandmom's Corner. I'm sure that many of you listening understand what Penelope was feeling. She was worried about what would happen if she couldn't complete her schoolwork on time, and she gave in to worry and fear. I know what it is to worry and fear, or to be in dread of something. Sometimes I've wasted so much time worrying about something that didn't even happen. The Sunday school teacher, Mrs. Harwood, called it having a case of the mites, but I refer to it as having a case of the what ifs. Years ago, I was in a contest and I had won several of the games I'd played. Time had run out on the first day, so I had to return a second day to play some more games. After returning home, my mind began to race and I became so nervous that I asked questions like, what if I lose tomorrow? What if I don't do as well as I did today? What if I look silly? What if I don't get there on time? And what if I get stuck in traffic or, or I get lost on the way? My head was filled with the what ifs. In fact, I told someone that I was so nervous that I felt like throwing up, just like Balak must have felt. But the next day, I got up, got dressed, and left the house. Guess what? I didn't get lost and I didn't get stuck in traffic, and I didn't look silly, but I did lose to another contestant. And do you know what? It didn't even matter, because sure, I was a little disappointed and a little bit sad, but I lost fair and square to someone who played much better than me that day. So when you have a persistent case of the what ifs, I encourage you to ask God to help you put them out of your mind and move forward in faith 
trusting God. You may still feel some nervousness. After all, making a speech or playing games in a big contest like I did can produce some nervousness. But it's important to work hard at everything you do and to trust God with the results. Even if you lose or even if you fall down while walking to the platform, those kinds of things happen in life. But God will always be there walking right alongside with you. Here are two good verses to remember when you have a case of the mites or the what ifs. Psalm 94:19 says, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me, in other words, when you've got lots of nervousness, your consolations or your comforts delight my soul. And I love what Psalm 27, one says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And those questions are rhetorical because your answers should be, I don't need to fear anyone or anything. My youngest daughter, Lydia, who has contributed to our podcast a couple of times, remember she talked about biting her nails and the Lord helping her break that habit of anxiety, composed a little song based on the verse 1 Samuel 12, 24. The verse Mrs. Harwood taught the Sunday school class. So listen as she sings. Our job is to trust in the Lord our God. Our hope is found in Him alone. He has called us to lean on His promises. So fear the Lord, remember the good He's done. So fear the Lord, remember the good He's done. The Lord willing, we'll be back in two weeks with a new story. But we encourage you to go back and listen to a story that you've not yet heard. Have a great Labor Day weekend. Bye for now.